Hello, all sentient beings, and welcome to Transmissions Altmode, where we talk about news, comics, and media related to V. In this extra long episode, we're joined by May Cat and Tim Sheridan, writers on the final chapter of the Transformers War for Cybertron trilogy on Netflix. And they tell us all about their backgrounds and the creation of the show. Also, stick around to see if the great Quintesson Quintesson debate gets resolved. Just a warning, there are spoilers for Kingdom after the first 30 minutes. So head over to Netflix and watch the series and then come back here. Welcome to Transmissions Alt Mode, the podcast that's entering the kingdom of heaven for Transformers. I'm your host, Charles, a.k.a. Big C, and I'm joined by the excellent Transmissions team, Jeremy, a.k.a. Yakko. Hello. Fantastic fan artist, Apollo, a.k.a. Robo Apollo. Hi, everyone. And Daryl, the Cybertronian Beast. How you doing? Let's talk Transformers. <laughs> All right. And you may have noticed uh, we have some special guests with us uh, today. So this is a very special alt mode. And we are very pleased to welcome two very special guests. And today is the premiere of the conclusion of the War for Cybertron series on Netflix. So we've got the minds behind the six episodes of the final part of the trilogy, Kingdom. Please welcome writers Maycat and Tim Sheridan. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you guys are, uh, you know, uh, have uh, a lot of uh, transmissions, cre- or not transmissions, Transformers credits to your names. Uh, so, uh, I, uh, you know, May, you've done a lot of episodes of Transformers Cyberverse, uh, and you've written the... Uh, Episodes 1, 3, and 5 of War for Cybertron Kingdom. And you're the story editor on the upcoming new Nickelodeon series that we don't know anything about. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we're looking forward to it. Thank you. Yes. uh, Yeah, you can't get rid of me. I'm stuck. I'm stuck stuck with me. I'm stuck with you. We got this. (laughs) (laughs) And Tim, uh, you've written episodes 2, 4, and 6 of both... uh, the second uh, part of the trilogy, Earthrise, and now the third part of the trilogy, Kingdom. So, yeah, I'm awesome. not. I'm not trans. Thank you. I'm not Transformers royalty like May Cat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a, I'm just a oh. nerd who got lucky, who grew can, up on this stuff. You can know? you give me a second? I can get a crown. <laughs> <laughs> a star screen crown. I wish. <laughs> Burger King crown? <laughs> oh, it's a Ren Fair crown, and I like it. <laughs> you feel pretty. Well, uh, let, let's jump right in with the questions, because, uh, of course, first off, are you both fans of Transformers, and what was your gateway into the world of Transforming Robots? Don't look behind me. <laughs> <laughs> There's a clue right behind you. Yeah, <laughs> Listen, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm an old guy. I you know for me it was G1. You know when it when it happened as it as it happened in the you know the 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 uh, ground zero of G1 toys hitting you know retail and the show happening and um, so you know my very first transformer was Cosmos. Um, yes. I was going to ask you which one was your first, and I can't believe it's Cosmos. And, and I remember, um, I don't remember the name of the store, but we were on our way 
driving to New Hampshire from Rhode areas from Rhode Island where I grew up. Hello, Hasbro, and uh, and there and I walked in the store and there was this beautiful, beautiful little UFO calling my name, and uh, though he was my gateway drug, his Cosmos, <laughs> and then Transformers have- movie in '86 changed really seriously for and I'm. I think there's a lot of people who agree it changed my life. I mean, I was a kid, but I had never seen the good guys lose. And, you know, I'd never seen the bad guys win or have the boss. The stakes were so real. And it taught me so much about storytelling, you know, and how important consequences and stakes are. And so to me, that was everything for me. That was like, that's what the seed that was planted was in Transformers, the movie for, for becoming a storyteller for working in TV and, and movies. So yeah, it's my whole life. I love that. I love that for you. That's awesome. <laughs> so most kids came out of that traumatized. Yeah. And you're like, hey, I think I have a career based on this. Like I, I was, enter- I was, I was transformed. Oh, <laughs> you said it. Con- converted. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, my, like, this is so appropriate. My gateway drug into transformers was beast wars. And I don't know what was going on with scheduling, but I would watch Beast Wars right before kindergarten or first grade. It was something very early. Um, But I would have to leave 10 minutes before the end of the episode in order to make it to school on time. So there was just like these like huge gaps in my understanding of like what happened. And (laughs) I would have to think of it on my own. And similar to you, Tim, I found beast wars to be unlike and i was so young but it wasn't like cartoons i was watching elsewhere because it was goofy and it was campy but it also had these like mythos like dinobot dying left a huge impression on me and like the transmutate episode similarly was like this is an this is television but it's different and it's hitting different and i like even at like six or seven like recognize that um, and my Beast Wars love continued. I love Beast Machines. I unapologetically think it's one of the better pieces of Transformers media. So there you go. I'm right there with you. You know who I met last week? I met Marv Wolfman. Oh. Ooh. Talk about royalty. Uh, that is royalty. That is season three royalty. of Transformers, which is for me, my you know, for my money, my favorite season where we dealt with consequences. Uh, from the movie, but also Beast Machines. So, um, you know, he's, I mean, just royalty in general, but ugh, I'm like, it was everything I could do to not like totally geek out and fangirl all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, for both of you, what is your favorite iteration of Transformers? Ooh. Ooh. Oh, I mean, Kingdom. Kingdom. Outside <laughs> <laughs> Only kingdom. Okay. Only your, kingdom. your favorite iteration that you were not directly responsible for. <laughs> that takes out a big chunk for me. Yeah. No, definitely the 86 movie. It is. I will. I, I can't watch it enough. I never have been able to. We, we didn't, we had a, we used to rent a VCR on the weekends because we didn't own one. I did the same and, thing. Right. And so, so we would rent a VCR and we would get to choose a video and I would, Every single week, I would choose the same movie. And my parents were like, come on, you've seen it. Like, what is wrong with you? They're then like, we, you don't understand. Then we found oh. the, uh, the VCR at home. And uh, we, um, we, we were, we were um, 
uh, going to this place called Douglas Drug, a drugstore that rented videos. And I would every single week, I'd take the Transformers, the movie. Uh, down and that was that was that was what I that was it that was what I was gonna watch so um, I'm trying to figure out how to mute my uh, thing here because here we go I'm gonna mute myself for a second because someone's ringing my doorbell oh thank God <laughs> <laughs> if only we had that in real life um, <laughs> love you too. I love you. Um, I'll do my favorite would be IDW one in particular J Rose more than meets the eye in Lost Light mm-hmm. and when oh, I wow. yeah when go. I had Good gotten goal hired for cyberverse i was relatively new to transform like i'm a huge gi joe fan and there's just like enough enough crossover that like i knew what was going on in transformers and obviously the bay movies help um but when i got hired for cyberverse i was coincidentally starting more than meets the eye so i was like well i better like very quickly binge read this and i couldn't get enough of it i think it's spectacular yeah awesome so do I have you to thank for all the uh, IDW references sprinkled throughout uh, Cyberverse? Oh, there would have been so many more. <laughs> <laughs> like, Whirl was such a huge win uh, to get Whirl in the show. And it was so exciting because we would have moments on Cyberverse where we could, like, throw characters at our story editor and be like, look at this guy. What do you think of this guy? And very quickly, like, do, like, a pitch of, like, this is what this guy's all about or this gal or this, you know, non-gendered robot. Uh, alien robot and uh, luckily like I presented Whirl in all his glory and luckily that story editor was like oh tell me more (laughs) (laughs) homicidal helicopter you say (laughs) that's a win (laughs) if it hasn't been been made clear to you cyberverse is just is so much better than it ever deserves to it needed to be like, it's so great. It was such a great show. We started watching it. And the first couple episodes were like, it's a kid's cartoon. You know, the first two, the first two episodes came out and we're like, it's a kid's cartoon. What, you know, what do you want? It's a, it's transformers are for kids. It's, you know, it's great, but you know, it's good. And then just like, boom, 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 hit after hit after hit. And we're like, holy shit. Well, what you know, is this I show wrote- about? I only wrote on seasons two and three, so thank you. But that's when the show really started, but I'm not, what yeah. I'm getting to is that that's when the show really started getting yeah. to it. Oh, no, I hear you loud and clear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you. That's just, it was, that a, is a, wonderful it was a really great show, right? Thank you. And, and season three with the, uh, the, the, the Matrix, or the, the Matrix preference, it was, <laughs> it was really, really cool, you know? Thank you. That was um, really, I, you know, if there's a lot of people out there that didn't watch it because, you know, kids cartoon. kids cartoon. And every time we walk into those people and we talk to them, we're like, dude, you guys, you guys got to watch this fucking show. This show is, is <laughs> not, it's, it looks, it's very 2D, you know, but give it a chance. This show is going to blow your mind. Yeah, come on. It's know? 11 minutes long. It's easy. Give it a go. Give yeah. it a go. But like, thank you for doing that. It was such a, it's a pleasure and a privilege to have been able to work on that and to have that be. Um, in particular, one of the first like professional gigs I ever had. I'm so fortunate, and I'm glad you enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> now, Tim, yeah, you're, you're, you're world by storm. Taking the world <laughs> by storm now. Oof. My goodness, I was You've done I was good stuff too, Tim. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love all the DC stuff. That, that, that stuff is right in my wheelhouse, and it's great. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> So I mean I, I I see I see the evidence behind you, but uh, I I do have the question here. Uh, do you guys 
you know, what what do you guys do with Transformers? Collect the toys, read the comics, watch the shows and movies, ev- everything, all of the above. Uh, May. Yeah, it looks. Sure. <laughs> oh, God, I hit the mic. Oh, what do I do? No. You know what? I'll take over then. No, no, it's right here. They're right here. They're over here. Ah, yeah. <laughs> There's some toys. I'm naturally a collector, so I collect. And uh, Natalie, my my wife, my fiance, excuse me, <laughs> so very eager. Uh, my fiance loves transforming them, but I don't like that their joints might get a little loose. So sometimes we have to double up on getting like an Optimus or something. <laughs> I um, I'm one to play lifelong. with, one to look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a lifelong collector that started with Transformers and has, you know, become a lot of other types of action figures and toys as well. Um, but uh, it, uh, today I was, you know, I, it's so funny. It never goes away. Like today I clicked on a video on YouTube of the new buzzworthy Bumblebee with the Cybertronian mode Bumblebee. And I was just, I hadn't, I didn't know this was happening. I'm so excited. I can't wait to have it. Um, and, uh, you know, but so I, we've got a pretty big Transformers collection. I got one guy right here that I had to have uh, because, you know, it's, what do you, how can I not? The thing is, I'll probably never fully transform him. Like, he's so good in this mode yeah. <laughs> that I just love the planet, you know. You also need to block off your calendar for a weekend. <laughs> have, you, have you transformed it at all, at all, Tim? Yeah, I got about halfway, and then I said, "This is I." First of all, this is going to take me a week. Yes. <laughs> Second of all, I'm going to break something because I'm just don't know what I'm doing. Right. And, uh, and then I I gave up, and I, I put him back in in this mode, which I love better anyway. So I don't know. Someday it's been a lifelong project. One day I will transform Unicron. I feel yeah. I feel like it's a right of it. Like all my toys, even though I collect them, I will transform them once and be like, okay, I did it. I, I, I was contractually obligated to do this. Now you go here. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, so how did you both get into script writing? And have you mostly written for animation or, or done other things? Oh, you know, I'd love to hear. I don't know if I know this story, Tim. Well, it goes back a ways. To, no, I um, I start. I went to drama school. Uh, oh, I that makes thought, sense. Yeah, I thought I was going to be voicing Transformers, not writing them. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, but you know, I, I I moved to Los Angeles as a classically trained Shakespearean for some reason, because this is where all the great Shakespeare happens in L.A. And after a long string of successlessness, I finally decided to dive into writing. Because I'd always written my whole life. It was something that I used to tell myself that other people do it better. So why should I do it? And then, I don't know, one day I woke up and I said, you know, there's a lot of people who make a good living who are just terrible at this. (laughs) 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 And I can do it. I can do at least as good as that. Right. And so, uh, and some people will argue I can't, but um, I, uh, so that was kind of I started down the road and and uh, and yeah I mostly worked in animation. My first job, uh, my first job on a series was um, uh, on a show called Justice League Action, which was also eleven minutes, like Cyberverse. And uh, there's you know that's a there's something about starting out in eleven minutes. May I think you'll agree that you have to be able if you 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 know the the, the skill that you have to learn 
to tell the story in 11 minutes in like 15 pages of, of script is uh, it, it's a it's a heck of a thing. It's a great training ground. Um, so, you know, the economy that you have to use. Uh, so, yeah, so that's it. So, I've, you know, I've, I've worked on animated movies. Uh, I've worked on I started off doing stuff for, you know, younger folks i wrote a lot of scooby-doo stuff and uh but i've written a lot of dc i've written some movies and um uh long halloween movies out right now uh that i scripted and um and uh and 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 you know obviously the the joy of my life was getting the call to come and work on war for cybertron because let me tell you something i thought i always thought when i started working in animation i thought there's a good chance that one of these days I'm going to get to work on a transformer show. Like if I try, like there's always going to be a transformer show. I can probably do it. And uh, I never, but I always thought, but it will never be my transformers experience. It'll never be rooted heavily in G1. It will be something new for kids that is reinvigorating the brand and it'll be great, but it won't be, it won't have enough of the stuff that, that I grew up on that I love so much and can talk about. And, uh, and then they were like, well, let's explain to you how war for Cybertron works. <laughs> it was basically like all my G1 fantasies come true in Earthrise when I came on to that. And uh, I just can't believe, I feel like the luckiest man in town that I got to write on and work on a transformer show that's so steeped in G1. And it was like bringing my childhood and, and sort of growing, you know, having grown up, on the show now growing up with the show and uh and letting the show grow up with, with all of us that was what it was like and then thank god thank god for may cat <laughs> on kingdom because i as a g1 nerd had a few things to learn about beast wars while a fan uh there is no bigger fan i think of beast wars than may cat thank oh god. that's not true but like how fun that we were having similar experiences on this show because that's how I felt was like, Oh my God, beast wars. I get to come home in a weird way. That's so magical that we were both doing that. Yeah. Let's see. How did I get started? Um, I got started. I- I'm one of those weirdos who grew up in LA. Like I grew up in the San Fernando Valley and I just never left. Um, I got started writing by writing fan fiction, and in particular, yes, Matrix fan fiction. Uh, those, <laughs> those are my proving grounds. And, oh, God, to make a long story super short, I got Final Draft as a birthday gift, wrote a feature film when I was, like, 14. It was, like, 135 pages and terrible. It won a high school screenwriting contest where the prize was you get to meet professionals and have, like, a practice general meeting. And one of those professionals was Greg Wiseman. Um, and yeah, years later, like literally I'm at a college, uh, I'm bumming around, uh, Warner brothers, blue ribbon content, which is what, which at the time was doing a lot of online stuff. And I was pitching like tertiary DC characters to them. And I knew young justice was coming back. And I mentioned to the people I was interfacing with, like, Oh, I know Greg, or I met him years ago. I'd love to meet him again. And they were like, okay, we can make that happen. Like God bless (laughs) them. And they did. And I walk into Greg's office and I think it's going to be like a general meeting again. Like, I think it's just going to be like, look, Greg, I'm alive. That's crazy. (laughs) Uh, And he offered me a script on the new Young Justice season. And I had this moment where I was like, I don't have an animation sample because that wasn't really on my radar. Like, do you need to read anything from me? And he was like, I read what you wrote when you were like 14. I think you're going to be fine. 
And thank God I was. <laughs> and then, oh, that's awesome. Cut to like months later, Cyberverse comes up. I had met with the Hasbro like live action division. And I was only 25. It's not like they're going to hand me like a Cobra Commander movie, but they should. But (laughs) they sent me over to the animation side. And even then, I didn't really have an animation sample. But I had the clout that, yes, I had worked on Young Justice. By then, the script was done. I just couldn't give it to them yet. And, you know, they kind of just took a leap of faith on me. A a leap of faith with me? They, They took a chance on me. There we go. They pushed you off a cliff. Yes, and I flew miraculously, and here we are. You converted into a, mm-hmm. a jet and took off. Oh, Can I just say this? Can I say that I, when I was working on my Superman movie, I had an office at Warner Animation that was like two doors down from Greg Weissman's office. Dude. And I, and I have never met Greg Weissman, May. <laughs> Should we make it happen? Should we all get lunch? I don't understand how you can like just walk in and say Greg Weissman and suddenly they carry you on a litter. Banning <laughs> <laughs> you with palm fronds. I'm just that damn cute. I'm just that right. cute. <laughs> well, I can't argue with that. <laughs> I'm a fan of gargoyles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Aren't we all? Yeah. Smart man. Smart man. <laughs> Oh, yes. And also, I work in animation live action spaces as well. So, oh, I awesome. I have a foot in both worlds. That was the other part of the question. You can cut that out. That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what, uh, uh, is there any, any live action stuff that, uh, that we might have seen or? Oh, you know, with? if you doubt, if you were one of the people who downloaded Quibi, you might have, because I worked on a, uh, Sam Raimi produced Quibi show called 50 States of Fright. And I did talk about like, okay, writing for 11 minutes as your proving grounds into like per- the professional writing space. Cause Quibi operated on a very similar basis uh, where it was like, these are short films and you know, you get to watch them on the go. And I remember getting the job and like, we were pitching the story and they were like, could you do that in like 15 pages? And I was like, Oh, Oh yes, I can. <laughs> I am uniquely qualified to absolutely deliver this at 15 pages. <laughs> Thank you, Cyberverse. Thank yeah, you right. Yeah. And I I mean, if you, to... oh, if you look at like the old Looney Tune shorts that were like before movies, those are all you know, fit, you know, no more than 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. So uh, it goes a long way in animation. Absolutely, and then uh, yeah, I got to take notes from Sam Raimi. Um, it was magical. I probably almost threw up like several times. Um, I'm I know about I to throw up right now. Just listening. I, to talk about I showed up like two hours early and then sat in my car for a while. Took like walked around the block. At one point, <laughs> the directors of my short is approaching me, Yoko Akamura, and uh, as she's approaching me, we're going to enter together. I, I just say, I'm not well, Yoko. It's <laughs> 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 like, what did you say? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's fine. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dreams come true sometimes sometimes <laughs> so so in particular how did you guys get put on to war for cybertron tim tim you started with Earthrise, and and may you're you're now you're, you're both in kingdom so how did that how did that happen for me there was a there was a vacancy at Earthrise, and uh you know happily you're like, yoink. <laughs> Yeah, FJ uh, DeSanto, you know, knew who I was. We had met. He had pitched sort of what was happening with War for Cybertron, and I was really into it. But I was 
uh, at Warner Brothers uh, under contract. And um, so I was like, you know, this is amazing. And someday I would love to, you know, and then when an opening came up, uh, he called. And uh, the beauty of that was his office was in the building next to Warner Animation. So I just got to walk just down the street. It was really nice. (laughs) Um, But but yeah, so that was that. And then happily, uh, you know, it went well enough that they they asked me to stick around for Kingdom, uh, which which was just a great honor. Um, I was still on Cyberverse when I believe Michael Hauser who was our, uh, one of our execs on Cyberverse, recommended me to FJ. And I probably met FJ around the same time Tim did, where I got a similar spiel. And honestly, I, I, when he retells it, I think I, he has it that I ask him about Beast Wars, or I don't quite remember, but at some point I do say, like, so are the Beast Wars characters going to be in this? Because I think at some, he hinted that like it was gonna, one of these seasons was going to be during the 25th anniversary. And he was like, actually, yeah. And we're thinking of incorporating them. And I, I do distinctly remember looking between him and Matt Murray and like into the dead space between them and being like, wow, <laughs> if I could write for Dinobot. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Staring <laughs> so, into the dead universe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so like, you know, and because animation, you know, it takes a long time. So like, I don't know how long between that initial meeting and when I got the call for Kingdom came. But enough time had passed that I had kind of like forgotten about it. And then FJ calls me and he's like, and he was just like, do you want to write for the Beast Wars characters? And I was like, what? (laughs) It's happening? Oh my God. (laughs) And yeah, there it was. Here we are. Wow. So what was the process of, uh, so I I think you basically, uh, I guess FJ had the story mapped out and then he he handed it to you guys to, to write the script. So what did that process look like? Did you collaborate together and kind of write it, write it together and then trade off? Or how, how did you, how did you develop each of the individual scripts? I'm pretty sure like the first day, by the way, it was like, well, who wants to write the first episode? And I said, not it. And uh, (laughs) we got to write the first one. Um, You know, FJ, I'm going to, I'm going to say this. FJ had a really strong idea of where the whole series was going. I imagine that on siege, they had a lot of detail on Earthrise. He had a pretty good idea of what was generally going to happen in every episode. But when we got to Kingdom, um, by that time, I think, you know, they were in production on all the other on the other seasons. And so we were kind of given, a li- I think, a little bit more leeway just because I since I worked on Earthrise, I can tell you comparatively, we had a little bit more leeway where, you know, he let he put. May and I in a room who, man, I had never met. We didn't know each other at all. We met in the lobby going into this room. And there's like, he said, okay, create. And then he left and we were just <laughs> two of us in the room. And we had a big whiteboard and we started mapping out sort of what things would go. But like I said, we had a general idea of where we were going to head. Yeah, we, we had goalposts. Yeah, but I think it was, it was just a lot freer than what we had with, with her Earthrise, um, but it was a joy from the very beginning, and I was just like, "Oh, again, thank God for May Cat," because I felt really taken care of. <laughs> I'm a really <laughs> man. It was, and, it was uh, like, and I had rewatched a couple Beast Wars episodes just to like get the vibe check on them. But then in the room where we're like having to kind of like meld these cannons in a way that like functioned for us i was like oh i remember a lot more of this than i remember than i thought i did and it was it was beautiful to be able to be like no that's not how the golden disc works this is what's going on (laughs) do you you remember when it when it struck 
when it struck us about, because this wasn't part of, I, I don't remember this being part of the plan originally, but when it struck that, that we would sort of use the launching point as that episode in Beast Wars where they board the Ark, you know, and sort of that concept that they could coexist in the same time frame. Do you remember that, May? I don't. I do. I remember you having an epiphany and me being like, yes. <laughs> but it was an epiphany and I literally don't remember how it happened now. I was going to say you said it, so I don't know. I probably I, this did. Is, this I, is I, how it works, though. This is what was so great about the process, to be serious for a second, is that, I mean, I can't even tell you whose idea was what and where things began and ended because it was just like, yes, yes, and, yes, and this. How about this, you know? Um, I was uh, I was a little jealous when May started pitching stuff for, you know, characters like Galvatron. And, you know, and I was just like, come on, like, let me do the G1, guys. But <laughs> <laughs> I had thoughts. <laughs> No, it was, you know what, like, because writer's rooms are, every writer's room is different, obviously. But, you know, they tend to be more than two people. Yeah. And so there's this kind of like lightning in a bottle magic of like, there's not more people to include in this conversation. There's not more people where you could potentially miscommunicate and have to like repitch an idea. It was just like you and me just like really vibing with like, this is obviously what it should be. But there's also a tug of, there's a tug of war that happens when there's only two people in the room. And like when you've got an idea and maybe you haven't gotten the other person on board and you know, you, you kind of talk through it. And ultimately if you can't convince them, you come up with a new idea. And that's the thing about when you work with professionals like may, um, you know, you, you can trust that, you're going to get to, there's always a better idea. That's the thing. Like the, what you see on screen ultimately is because at some point we had a deadline, but we, we will always have another idea. There's always going to be a better joke or a better line or a better thing. And, um, and so just sort of being able to trust that, you know, we would find the thing, even if we didn't agree on little bits and pieces along the way, made the whole experience just incredibly wow. joyful. You know. You're totally right. Cause like once we very, not, we started loosely figuring out each episode, then we got more detailed. My favorite point in time, by the way, it was 305 or no 303 where it was just like, the, yeah, the, the setup. And then it was like space, space, space where plot would go. And at the very bottom, it said Dinobot dies. <laughs> and I remember, I remember, I remember pitching. I think, well, I, like, think. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think because I, I haven't seen this, the show. No, this, 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 this is this is coming out after the show is out. So, and, and but, uh, I, like Dinobot and Optimus have the same kind of gimmick. They both die. True. <laughs> but I remember so, like, yeah, so, FJ and just being like, "This happens, and you know something goes here, and then Dinobot dies." Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'll, to, I'll, I'll take this opportunity that. now to say, uh, anyone listening to the podcast, warning. We're going to go into heavy spoilers for War of Cybertron Kingdom. Hopefully we're putting that at the beginning, too, like on screen or something. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll it'll be in the good, graphic. Good, good. Yeah, you could just well, laugh a huge spoiler over this face. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not kidding. Like We can talk to like what we wrote, but we I haven't seen – May, I don't think you have either – seen the final product yet while we're recording this. So um, so I do, actually don't know if they – like what kind of changes were made during production. I, you know, I just – I moved on to other shows, May moved on to other shows. And uh, so that's just the way the process usually works. So you might have more to tell us about what happened. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but there is a thing. It's very interesting. I learned this on Earthrise 
where, you know, May, to your point about like this, you know, some stuff is going to happen and then Dinobot dies and it's episode three of six and it's only six short episodes. And so you have all these ideas and all these things you want to do, but ultimately it has to be about the characters and how much time can you spend with them and learning about them and, you know, that it doesn't get eaten up by all the plot stuff that you've got to get through because you've got to care about Dinobot again, if he's going to, if we're going to lose him. And, um, and so it's a, it's a really difficult thing when you're only working with a few short episodes, we found it on Earthrise, and, you know, I hope it works in kingdom. Yeah. I mean, like before we move on, I did want to say like, once we got writing, we were a little more isolated just because like how the work process had to be. And so there was a bit of like just faith in the other person that like it's going to it's going to work out. It has to. And then it would like I would get your scripts just so I knew what I was doing on like the next one and being like, OK, cool. We're we're now we're now we're cooking with gas. We've got like a show. <laughs> and also, like I would be inspired. But, you know, I'd be like, oh, OK, you would drop a thing and I would say, well, maybe I can. Yes. And that and add a little bit of something to it, reference it so that, you know, I mean, that's that's the kind of it was it was really a baton race. When yeah. we got into scripting, and uh, and I think the scripts ended up better because of it. I'd say so. Can, for sure. can I ask yeah. a bit of a behind the curtain uh, question? So you guys just met to to do this show. You're now obviously working on something that is complete mystery. We have no idea anything about it. Um, so what happens is for you know you guys working as a team here, uh, you know. Do you, if somebody hires one of you and you say, okay, well, this is a show that I think May would really work good on, or this is a show that I think Tim would really be a benefit on, could you recommend a writer to come into the project? Or is this just luck of the draw that you guys get put back together again? It can be both. Sometimes it's luck of the draw. And sometimes it's like you said, I mean, I, I was just talking to May about this, you know, today or yesterday we were, I was saying how I'm working on a show and, there's a possible opening that's going to happen. And, you know, because of working closely with May on a couple of projects, you know, May's at the top of my list. So like if somebody asks me or if I'm in a position to say, you know, well, look, I mean, look, yeah. Am I praising you? Sure. But also I am a selfish, lazy man. And I feel like <laughs> it is so much better knowing that you're, I'm recommending somebody who I, I trust to not only be able to do the job and do it well and that I'm going to be able to vibe and work with. Right. But it's also going to make me look good for recommending them. You know? <laughs> so, of course. Does that, uh, that's really how it, how it, so it can, so it can be both. Sometimes it's random. I mean, I don't know. I think it was our second gig together. I think was kind of random. I mean, sporting, we, we knew the showrunner and so both of us independently of one another, but, um, but yeah, you know, when, when I'm running and there's other things, you know, sometimes we're running shows and there's when I'm running a show again, I've got a list of people that I'm going to go to. And, you know, people like me are, are on that list because it's going to make my life better. Oh, you're on my list, too, Tim. I feel like I feel like I've reached the stage of this is probably not going to mean anything to you, Tim. And I apologize. I'm an Ivysaur on the on my way to a Venusaur in terms of like I, I married the biggest Pokemon fan. Oh, that's right. I apologize. <laughs> I'm a I'm an Ivysaur and I'm just getting to a point in my career where like I can like people do ask me for recommendations and it's still very new to me. 
Yeah. But you're absolutely right. Like, yeah, you're on my list, bro. We both are, though. Like, we're both kind of very in similar places in our careers. And um, I think that's just now happening where I'm getting sort of the question of, well, who who do you think we can bring in, you know? How delightful. <laughs> right on. Yeah, it's delightful because you got there a lot faster to this spot in our career. <laughs> yeah. I did. It took me years and years of, like, you know. The key was obviously Matrix fan fiction. That's a (laughs) the secret. Yeah, just nonstop Agent Smith and Neo kissing. That's Mm -hmm. that's all it was. That was the ingredient. (laughs) The fast track. Well, let's uh, let's let's dive into those Kingdom spoilers. So again, if you if you haven't watched Kingdom yet. Shut this off and go go watch all six episodes and come back. So should I gonna... shut this off and go watch the episodes? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, yeah, like, like yeah, we we were talking about this before the show. But if I had known that you guys had not seen it, I would I would have lent you my Netflix password to no check worries. it out. But <laughs> we also did not think to ask. It's okay. <laughs> it, I mean, it's really all also- Jay's fault. We like to believe that they literally just made the show exactly as yeah. we laid out in the Why not? We figured Why not? it all out. It was perfect. So what were what were some of the, the major uh like the most important themes that you wanted to uh, include in the show? And like what were the what were the overarching like big ideas that you wanted to make sure were were in the show? I mean, you know, I can speak of coming out of Earthrise, there were some seeds that were planted, things that have been planted since Siege. I mean, remember, we weren't just tasked with writing this great Beast Wars G1 meeting of the minds, uh, you know, season of episodes, but we were also tasked with landing the war for Cybertron plane. And uh, so so there were there were things that were going to have to, you know, come to a head. Specifically, I think, you know, for me, Optimus Prime's journey, um, you know, we had to kind of pay that off. I mean, we had to, and, and, and I would say Optimus Prime and, and Megatron. I mean, we spent a lot of time roughing up the edges of sort of who's, who's good and who's bad and why. And, you know, um, it's so much more interesting to me when you can understand why Megatron's doing what he's doing. And, um, it complicates things. It gets things a little bit more real life and messy. And, uh, and so, so Optimus's journey to sort of coming to terms with the decisions he's made and the consequences that, that have, you know, been invoked uh, because of them um, was, was really kind of where my compass was, uh, you know, throughout all of this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, to allow the, beast characters to be there as you know i my favorite thing one of my favorite things i wrote was the conversation between primal and prime that i hope is in there um in 303 (laughs) (laughs) where it's just the two of them kind of talking about like what optimus was trying to save and the tragedy that you know he failed and primal doesn't even this isn't even a part of his history he just oh yeah, it. no, all, all that got cut. That's all gone. <laughs> is, that where, is that where Primal mentioned um, like the they had a crew of like over two hundred and now this is all that's left? Yeah. 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 Uh, but a another overarching thing that uh, that I am particularly like Starscream is you know, he's basic I love G.I. Joe, I love Cobra Commander, which means I love Starscream. 
And <laughs> in particular, I I love Starscream as a person who has suffered a great deal physically at the hands of as, of someone else. And I really wanted to be able to speak to that in some manner. It, you know, not necessarily a conclusion. I don't necessarily con- think we concluded it, but like just to start adding that kind of language into Starscream and just, you know, that kind of self-knowledge that that is a thing that has happened to him was very important to me and I hope it um, continues in that character. I hope it continues as a part of who he is that it's not just like a thing that happens to him but a thing he recognizes and has to contend with in some way be it you know confrontation be it denial be it actually like facing it head on you know whatever um that was very important to me as well i mean you know that, what you're talking about is the stuff that we tried to do with optimus prime and megatron and like you can do you know you can have a lot of fun doing that with optimus prime and megatron but at the you know when we're getting into kingdom for you may to have that as a focus that we're going to do the same thing with starscream that we're going to rough up those edges a little bit and start to understand what makes this guy tick, you know, um, th- that kind of stuff for me is, is about how we, you know, the show grows up with us and um, you know, we all, we all, this is how I played with the toys when I was a kid. I mean, they, they had these kind of emotional relationships and deep stakes uh, to everything that was done or said. And um and so that was something we, I think, we, we wanted to be able to do. We wanted you to really feel like these are people you know. Yeah, people you know and people who have been at war for an untold, like like the human mind cannot comprehend how long they've been at war and how much they've given up. And like to see that really manifest in them in some way. And what an opportunity to have the, the you know, the G1 guys meet these Beast Wars characters and, you know, for Optimus Prime, who's grappling with, and, and Megatron, who are grappling with the concept of, is there a future for their people? Um, you know, uh, it, there's, there's just a lot of uh, rich emotional, you know, ground you can cover. Uh, and so, you know, in six episodes, uh, <laughs> but uh, so, so look, is it, is it fun? And are there fights and action and like, MacGuffins and cool stuff and converting, transforming. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the stuff that really, you know, that I love sinking my teeth into is when you put, you know, Optimus Prime in a room talking to Ultra Magnus or, or Lita One or Megatron, or, you know, or Nemesis Prime and, uh, and what comes out of that conversation. Yeah. So May, just to follow up on your on your uh your kind of focus on Starscream, is that why he got he, he gets towards the end of the series he gets kind of a, a pivotal role where he you know he unites everyone and and you know kind of has a I guess, I guess it's a what is it, a face turn? Not a heel turn, a face turn. Where he's, <laughs> he uh you know, he he kind of sees he has an epiphany and says, Okay, I'm gonna break the cycle and uh, and uh, you know, I'm going to I'm I'm going to make sure that we the you know, but Cybertronians in general have a future and that we, we don't just destroy ourselves. So it was interesting to see Starscream actually do that rather than just kind of fall into his old patterns. Absolutely. I mean, like 
speaking of our like collaboration, I don't, Tim, I don't remember who, how we landed on like, that is where we're going to take Starscream. Obviously I have my biases and my hopes, but I I'm totally sure. remember how we landed there. I'm pretty sure anything that got pitched that was Starscream related that was oh. interesting. <laughs> I mean, I love Starscream. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. And like, particularly for me, you know, it's, I think in 303, he's having that confrontation with Dinobot, I hope. Um, and Dinobot <laughs> is able to recognize, like, you're using your pain as justification for your own selfishness. And then to have that character, you know, have that stated to him, whether or not he recognizes that as a truth or it doesn't matter because he, well, it doesn't matter. But in our story, he, kind of gets, <laughs> he gets hit into another wall where it's like, hey, not only is that true? Is that what you're doing? But it doesn't, it doesn't fucking matter. And to have this narcissistic character of all the characters, like be like, Oh no, nothing we do is actually, is actually going to benefit anybody. Like this is, this is all because of something else. Like it, it, like it puts him in such a fascinating space. And I was so excited that like Tim, we, we got there together that you supported me. Like, you know, cause there's moments in Transformers writers rooms. Well, I'll be like Starscream and they'll be like, nay, no, we can't, we can't have all the interesting scenes. Sort of Not this guy. Not this <laughs> Have the freedom on kingdom to be like, no, I think there's something really special with this character. And I want to, take him in new and fun ways or not, you know, not necessarily fun, but new and enticing ways. Um, and to have that be received so well is such a wonderful gift. I mean, yeah. And I'm just there thinking, when can we get the Cape and crown? Like, right? you know. yeah. <laughs> yep. That was in there too. No, as a fellow Starscream fan, as you can see, like I very much yeah. picked up on it and I really appreciated all the powerful dialogue and, just moments he had in the show. So thank you for that. Of course. Yeah, I do got to, I got to give credit to Apollo. She wrote a, like a huge chunk of these questions here. So yeah, <laughs> uh, imagine, imagine all these questions being asked in Apollo's voice. Got it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, what were some things that got left on the cutting room floor in your scripts for kingdom? Well, they, they I mean, I'm sure there, I mean, if you, I mean, if, if there are any ideas that were in the writer's room that didn't make it into the final script, I mean, I know you don't know. There are ideas that they didn't produce. I'll say, I'll say I really want to transmutate in the show. I want transmutating basically everything. And she got just, a toy. Yeah, she's got a toy. And it's just it was just a character asset issue. Um, but yeah, like I came in, I came in like guns blazing, like I want silver bolt and I want transmutant, and they're like <laughs> budget. And also we can't have like what, like 30, 40 characters running around, but we can't right. have 25 <laughs> or whatever. There, but there yeah. was uh, I can't remember exactly where, but there was a black arachnia scene where you heard a wolf's howl. As a reference to Silver Bowl. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I remember turning that script in, and I legit, like, in the email to FJ, was like, This is a reference to Silver Boat, a beloved Beast Wars character. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That, that That's all that was in the script. So that's cool. Yeah. I mean, other than that, like, I don't think. I don't think there was anything particularly left on the cutting room floor. And like Tim's right, we're not going to give you our ideas. <laughs> Those are to be recycled in other things. 
the closest I will give you is that I I, I tried in Earthrise to have Springer uh, as a character leading a faction of uh, Autobots from uh, one of the moons of Cybertron that would, sh- you know, sort of be this SWAT team of Autobots that would show up when we needed them. And I really wanted to bring them into Kingdom, like have them show up and, you know, in a really climactic moment. But um, but we, could, we couldn't use them, unfortunately. So it never got into Earthrise, so it never got into Kingdom. So. I bet they would have had a cool name for their group, too. They would, but I'm not going to tell you what it was. <laughs> <laughs> mm, I wonder. <laughs> uh, but mate, uh, how often did you have to include notes like that uh, to FJ? Like, this is a specific reference to a Beast Wars thing. Oh, not that many. I mean, FJ was very honest in his uh, when he was like, hey, this is not my wheelhouse. Uh, I know a lot, and I'm here to be a guiding hand and get this show as good as it can. But there are, you know, there's gaps in my mo- my knowledge, so feel free to let me know. So there would be moments like that where, oh God, what, what was another one? Just a couple lines here or there where I was like, it's from, you know, I'm referencing this moment in the cartoon. I'm referencing this moment, but, you know. But, you know, along those lines, you know, May, to what you just said about FJ sort of being a guiding force and guiding hand you know i've never felt so trusted by uh, you know a producer and uh and he you know he's he was so helpful and you know could tell the best part too one of the best things about fj is not only does he get excited about story you pitch him some fun story he gets really into it and he starts you know coming up with some ideas that that you end up wanting to incorporate because they're so good but the other thing is he was just in the midst of the production and he knew what the challenges were on the production side for some of the things now and then that you might want to do. He'd say, well, this is great, but we're going to have to adapt it because, you know, we can't really show this or we can't do this at this point. Um, so to keep us sort of in line was great because you need that kind of structure. You have to know what the parameters are and where we can go and where we, where we should go. But I think that there was, you know, I, I feel like, do you remember the arc conversation about how that came about? No. I feel like he gave us that. I feel like he was like, oh, they're doing this with the toy. So we're going to have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't remember. In my memory, it was FJ saying, you know, giving us, letting us know what Hasbro was doing. And yeah. it's sort of let us run our you know, imaginations wild, which was great. So he's a joy to work with. And you guys, I know you've talked to him, you know him. I mean, he's he's a he's a he's a fun fun guy to work for. He he was pretty pumped about the arc stuff. Yeah. We <laughs> <to him. laughs> I think because they were able to like be the one origination of the assets that Hasbro used. Oh, mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which one yeah, of I... you decided to call the arc Teletran? Oh, awesome! <laughs> you're, you're my favorite person I in the, the world. Episode, but we both probably did. <laughs> Oh. I have, yeah. I I don't even remember what show is this again. I, <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, we were such a hive mind that I don't know. It probably came up in the room, maybe or whatever, or May dropped it in a script, you know, or I dropped it in somewhere, you know. Then I, it all kind of I wrote the episode that introduces our, the arc as as a its bot mode or his bot mode, but I don't remember who originated that idea. <laughs> Oh, that's the stuff that didn't get in the show that I can't <laughs> tell you about. I can't tell you about the 
I think, 11 or 12 different endings. Oh, there you go. That I went through for the last episode that were all designed to set up another story. And they were all different sort of ways of coming at stories, different stories, different things. But you just reminded me of it, May, when you when we were talking about that. There was, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't tell well, you. But we don't even, you and I don't even know which one they landed on. Dude. I don't <laughs> even know which one they landed on. I don't know which one they used. I wrote, I think, 11 or 12 different versions. And we kept going through it and was like, no, not this. Or, or yes, this, but then Hasbro's like, no, don't do that. And then, you know, it was like, we all, and then I wrote one. And I was like, I don't like this. <laughs> <You know? laughs> what was so great was like, about that is like, I hadn't, I was done writing. I had written 305. The final draft of 305 was turned in and you would text me about how this was happening. And I would just be like, Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> I was like, I can't sell them on anything, you know, so, but, but, well, but- it had all that, it had a lot behind it because there were a lot of questions about whether we were going to move forward with more of a Cybertron and how that would work and, and whether there would be another show, like any of that. Like it was, it was, there were, there were just a lot of different ways, a lot of different opinions about how we would go forward. So I just kept throwing stuff at the dartboard and, uh, and there's some cool ideas in there if I do say so. I mean, there's some fun stuff that if I ever get to make my Transformers show, you're going to see that then. That's why I can't tell you about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, uh, I guess I can spoil you. The, the ending that made it into the show was that uh, at the very end, after the Autobots, Decepticons, Predacons, Maximals, they won. They are at peace. You know, the, the planet is healed and everything. And then you cut to a scene in space. Unicron has re-grabbed uh, Nemesis Prime and Galvatron. And he says, okay, this time failed. But now we're going to try again. And that's how the show ends. They did mine. They did the one I wanted. That was the one I wanted so badly. I hope people liked it because for me, it was like, it was so interesting. I was like, well, what's next? Well, who are these guys now? Like, yeah. Oh, well, that's. Congratulations. I know. I can't believe it. It was the first one I wrote. It was the no, first one. No, you're joking. And it, and it kept, oh, no, wait, maybe it was the second. Right. I think it's the beginning half of what is 12 potential endings. That's awesome. It might, it might have been the second one, but because they were the first one was pretty good too, though. So, but, <laughs> but no, it's so amazing. I'm so glad you told me that. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> but we're so disappointed now. <laughs> We get to we don't we don't get potential. to see the other 11 endings. <laughs> yeah. No, no, well, no. The, the future, right? Someday you will. It'll be a whole beginning. It'll be a beginning yeah. of a new thing. We'll have a multiverse yes. where every ending happened yeah. in one point or another. So there were there were a couple of Beast Wars characters that I did miss that uh, you know that were notable exceptions. Uh, so I was just wondering if you did have any thoughts on Waspinator or Tarantulas. So those guys didn't show up at all, but you know those are those are definitely fan favorites. But uh, you know I, I was oh. thinking maybe they 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 didn't fit the tone of the show or maybe tarantulas had had his part taken by black arachnia basically in the show or I know tarantulas probably died at some point before the show began. I also, I'll tell you what, I feel like I was the first kingdom fan to mourn the no waspinator. I do remember (laughs) being like, but the waspinator and they're like the assets in the story. And I'm like, Oh, you're right. Don't even, I remember the meeting. I remember (laughs) may called a meeting. Brought us all together and said, "Listen, I've got an anti-waspinator agenda that I need." To 
And we were like, whoa, because at that point, May was really coming, you know, into their power. And (laughs) we all backed off and we said, okay, fine. We all love Waspinator, but it's not going to happen. I swear to God, I feel like I could show you like three insect based Beast Wars characters and asking you to pick out which one's Waspinator. And I don't know if you would be able to do it. (laughs) I will guarantee you right now, I had, first of all, there are insects. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, it'll never happen. (laughs) <laughs> you know but that to, to seriously answer that question though like the there there is a real challenge in a show like this with the amount of assets you have access to you know it maybe you know one of the great things was you know if they made a toy there was a good chance that we were going to be able to use that they would scan the toy and really use that to create the 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 uh, the, the the different modes for the character um, but you needed to have you need to have three models. You've got to have the and I'm sure FJ's told you about this, right? Where you have the the one you know robot mode and then the alt mode and then the um, transform half you know way transformed mode. And uh, and you know you can only do so you're basically turning one character into three characters at that point. And there's only so much money in the world, and at some point you you just can't have everybody. So you Absolutely. have to make tough, tough decisions. And I feel like those tough decisions, I think they were made before we showed up. But, like, I know that it was a Sophie's choice for everybody involved to be, like, who's actually going to make it into the show. Like, when I showed up and, like, Tigertron was in it, I was just like, oh, my God, Tigertron. <laughs> he made it. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, it wasn't even about the, the characters that we couldn't use. For me, it was, like, when I came out on Earthrise and they're like, well, so Bumblebee, you know, but he never transforms. <laughs> <laughs> you get I was like, wait, what? <laughs> or you that know, was one of the funniest one. scenes in Earthrise for us when uh, oh, yeah. they they drive off and everyone just hops on the back Optimus. Like, roll out, <laughs> okay. I, mean, I am uh, listen for, on behalf of everyone in the world of you know Hollywood budgets. I apologize. <laughs> hey, we we get we, it. We yeah. understand. Yeah, yeah. Listen, FJ was telling us how that. like. What allowed us to be able to make a whole kingdom show with all these Beast Wars characters. Right. You know, I mean, that's literally what the reason we were able to create all these Beast Wars characters and do this was because we got to kind of be economical in Siege and Earthrise. Yeah, I I think you told us that a character was like removed from Earthrise to allow them to be able to make an asset for another Beast character in Kingdom. Oh, I, I can't remember who it was that was removed. It's a delicate balance. Or like an alt mode or something. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember the specific circumstance of who it was. But yeah, that's the thing is you're, you're just shuffling, moving things around. I mean, Matt Murray is over there tearing his hair out, trying to figure out how to make it work. Because they want to make what we put on the page work um, at the end of the day, if, it, if it's good, if everybody believes in it. Um, and sometimes, But like I said, sometimes it's just hard decisions right now. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And like, look, if they're not in Kingdom, they probably died before people showed up. Only (laughs) only 200 left, you know? Yeah, that's my (laughs) theory. Or there were 200 and there's only a handful left, I think is what it was, right? And then Matt Matt did go into a little bit of detail. He didn't give us specific numbers, but he did say that, you know, for people that are keep questioning why Peter Cullen's not in the show, he's like, well, Peter Cullen, if you wanted Peter Cullen, you'd only get two characters on the screen. So it'd be a really, a really, really crappy show. So Ooh, you know, waiting for Godot with Optimus and Megatron. <laughs> yeah, you, you just, you know. And, um, and by the way, Peter Cullen deserves everything. Like, right. absolutely. Like, I wouldn't. I, he shouldn't do. He should never do this for you know 
a pittance for goodness sake. He's Peter Cullen. So, you know, at the end of the day, I think it was the, everybody, that's the right call. You know, you get, we got to tell a bigger, more epic story and, um, you know. Not bother him. And, and, you know. (laughs) Please, sir. Please, please do this for free. Please, you know. Um, no, it's not show friends. It's show business. <laughs> Which Peter Collins said to me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> then he had his man punch you in the face. <laughs> so uh, another thing we, we noticed that uh, we were really happy to see was that we did get a little bit of a LGBTQIA representation in the show. And that was something that was, that was unexpected, but what welcome and uh, just curious uh, if you guys had to, to fight for that or just that organically came up and, and everyone was like, yeah, go for it. Or if there was any kind of discussion behind the scenes on that. Ooh. There was, as I recall, may tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't recall any real pushback. Do you? I mean, I remember questions about like whether we have time to really invest in characterizations and things and, you know, where, where we have space for stuff. But it was never sort of like, uh, oh, to, at least for, from my perspective, it was never, you know, yeah, we don't want to do that because it's not something we you know, want to promote or something. I, you know, it wasn't anything like that as far as I saw. But what, what was your experience? Speaking of like things you want, in the show that that get cut of course like you know i want to diversify transformers as much as possible for as many people as possible because it's a show that you know these characters mean a great deal to people and how wonderful would it be to share what makes them so great to people and what makes them special with other people who might not necessarily have been able to identify with them before so i'm on a constant dare i say siege um to to increase how these characters are, you know, depicted and in what ways can they represent and be metaphorical to actual people and actual human experiences and, you know, the, the wide breadth of human experience. This isn't always possible. It's, you know, it depends on the show and depends on the franchise and uh, it's particularly with a franchise like Transformers, which is 40 years old and has, it has concepts of itself it has this it has its own idea of what it is and sometimes you know it wants to expand that but it doesn't always know how and so that gets into interesting conversations where you know there is an open wide invitation and then sometimes there can be a little bit miscommunication or confusion on like how to go about that what is the best way to go about that so it's a ongoing process i am so happy and so proud that there any sort of queerness was able to be on our show. And I have a very distinct memory of asking FJ um, in our first meeting, like how explicit can we get with queer representation? Cause that is obviously, obviously something that's very important to me. Um, and I just had to ask cause sometimes you don't know and I didn't want to be coy about it. I didn't want to sneak it in. I just wanted to be like, tell me. So I know. FJ said, absolutely. He was I remember. Behind. Yeah. yeah. He was- he was all for it. Yeah. And I, I, I remember exactly the moment that you're talking about too. And I, you know, I, you know, as a queer man myself sitting there when you asked that question and thinking, Oh, I, I'm thinking, Oh man, the answer is going to be, yeah, let's not make this, you know, I'm just so used to being in places. I mean, I knew FJ at that point. So I wasn't, I, 
he's not, he would have never said that, but I've been in those rooms where, you know, it, it can, it can become an, a discussion. It's a, yeah. <laughs> it's a much more complicated discussion, even though it shouldn't be. Yeah. But, but not, certainly not with FJ. You know, he was very supportive uh, with everything we wanted to do. Um, uh, there is a thing though. There is a, an interesting thing we went through, you know, look, coding is a thing that used to, used to happen, I would like to say, it still happens, but it was really the point of like coding where, where you know, characters may be sort of representative of a certain type of person, in this case, let's say queer people, but it's not explicitly said back in the olden days, but queer people watching it and observing this, this media would identify it. And it was a way of talking to those people in the audience and sort of building a community, a silent community of folks who didn't feel like they could talk to each other and be open about who they were. And there's a, a long legacy, a very complicated legacy of that within media and entertainment. We, in some ways we have evolved where we actually can, uh, we do have opportunities to have explicit representation in a lot of different types of media. Certainly War for Cybertron, it, you know, the, one of the unfortunate things about this business is that a lot of people look at animation and they think, it's just for kids. Now, let alone what, how the argument for how that some people make that, that there shouldn't be queer representation in front of kids is something that I don't even, I'm not even going to get into today because I think that's incredibly backwards and bizarre. You know, you should prepare your kids for the world they're growing up in, inheriting, and there are queer people in it, so get into it. Um, but I think that nowadays, because we have opportunities, and certainly on War for Cybertron, we didn't have to have that argument, which I sometimes had to have about being a kid's show. Um, it, uh, you know, nowadays, coding, there, are, there is an evolved version of coding that happens where it is not about reaching out to everyone uh, who is a specific type of person and making them feel like they're part of a community. There is sort of a, maybe it's a reverse coding, where we generalize it enough that everyone can kind of see themselves in a character. So you might look at a, a character in War, in War for Cybertron in Kingdom or in, you know, Superman, Man of Tomorrow or in another property and see, oh, this is a character who's coming out of the closet. Or you might look at it and say, this is a character who has the same immig immigrant story that I have, or this is a person who's on the social spectrum. And, you know, I identify with that because that's just like me. And I think that when we do our best work, we make characters inclusive in a way that everyone can sort of see something of themselves reflected in them. And so in a way, it's kind of a reverse coding that can happen nowadays. Um, but I think that kind of thing can be helpful. It does not take the place of explicit representation, which still should exist because let's just be honest, good art and good entertainment should be honest. It needs to be true to life. And if, if you're not holding the mirror up to reality, then you're not being honest. You're not showing people the real world and they're going to reject what you're throwing down. Absolutely. And it, particularly with something like Transformers, it gets into this funny territory of like, don't you want to share this? with other people? Don't you want to share your toys? Don't you want to share your happy connections to characters like Optimus with other people? And a key to doing that is by making those characters 
more accessible and more relatable and more reflective of the actual world we live in. And as you say, Tim, like queer people live in the world and here we are. <laughs> How amazing an opportunity to be able to take a hero that you maybe you just love that you grow up with, a character that you really feel strongly about and let you see yourself in them, but then let your neighbor, who you may feel you have absolutely nothing in common with, be able to see themselves in that character. And now you share that in common, that you both see these same qualities. And then those, those that's hopefully we get to a place where we realize that our differences aren't really all that different. And hopefully maybe the world gets a little bit happier. Very well said, yeah. I mean, I, I've always been of the thought that transformers is a unique property where you could do things like this because robots i mean what what is more gender fluid than a robot i mean a robot can be anything it wants to be and it could change things every other day and twice on sundays i mean why why not explore those things in in giant robots they are alien robots that turn into cars and jets like they're (laughs) and you know sci-fi like sci-fi genre is ripe for using metaphor and allegory but like these guys in particular <laughs> as you say are like really the epitome of like no we you can they lend themselves to these kinds of stories and this kind of representation um and it's pro- probably one of the reasons why i keep coming back to them um in my work I, and i'm happy to be here and i'm happy to continue hopefully <clears throat> broadening what they mean to as many people as possible Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we got, we got real deep. So let, <laughs> but let's, uh, let's, let's keep going. <laughs> so uh, one thing, so uh, in, in terms of all the Beast Wars characters, I, I thought they were really well represented in terms of, uh, you know, hearkening back and homaging the original, uh, the original characters from the show from, uh, you know, from the 90s show. Although I did feel like one particular Beast Wars character seemed to have his his personality tweaked just a little bit. Uh, so in particular, Predacon Megatron. So, you know, I felt like the original Megatron was much more of a kind of a schemer, opportunistic, uh, narcissist, kind of, you know, always in it for himself. And this Megatron, Predacon Megatron in, uh, in, the sh- in Kingdom, uh, he felt, you know, a little bit more kind of genuine and, and loyal to the original Megatron, which is, you know, uh, makes him, it makes, just makes him a different character. Maybe, you know, not, to, not better or worse, but de- definitely different from the, you know, conception of the original Beast Wars character, at least that I had in my mind. So what, what were the thoughts on, on how you tweaked uh, Predacon Megatron in Kingdom? Uh, may I take this, Tim? Please. I think the logic at the time and the persistent logic is, you know, you have to, you have to parallel the relationship of Optimus Primal and Optimus Prime and Megatron and Megatron. Like those have to be mirror images of each other. One is dysfunctional and one has to be functional. So if we're proposing, if we're creating a world where the Maximal's only understanding of Optimus is that he's this traitor who abandoned them and eventually succumbed to Unicron and became Nemesis Prime, then the opposite of that has to be someone who is like, no, Megatron's my guy. (laughs) I'm ride or die this Megatron. And that was kind of where that 
that logic was coming from was that like we had to they had to be opposite and they had to parallel and you had to see how you know one changes over time and one stagnates because it's it's kind of based on lies as you know Dinobot kind of comes to learn but yeah I mean characters it's a difficult thing in a franchise like this a franchise that is you know I always say this it's 40 years old and in this particular in in Kingdom and in War for Cybertron there were needs and there were wants and there were the requirements of the story and you try to retain the uh the beauty and the the um spirit of every character you can as you continue to push the story forward so you can get it to its you know climactic conclusion um and that's always the goal but sometimes things have to change and sometimes they change more drastically than others and predacon megatron is certainly an example of that i I mean i i guess it's it's sort of up for debate obviously about whether we don't we don't go in trying to negate anything that you know and you think you know about a character. But um, the hope is always just kind of enrich the character and give you another dimension that maybe you hadn't considered before. Um, And a lot of times, certainly with the G1 characters, um, maybe even more so than Beast Wars, I think we, you know, they they can be pretty two dimensional um, in, in, in a lot of aspects. And so you have a lot of opportunity to add some new dimension to them. Um, so, I mean, you know, I hope that people look at beast, you know, we call them beast wars, Megatron, beast wars, Megatron as, um, BW Megatron in the scripts, BW Megatron <laughs> as, um, as a, you know, a, another sort of way of looking at, at Megatron and emphasizing a quality that, that um, that maybe we didn't see before, but uh, but but makes sense and could could make sense. Yeah, uh, and like talk about like changing Transformers to reach the wider breadth of human experience. Like it's true. Like characters can be changed, and hopefully you're adding something, and you're adding new dimension, or you're adding an aspect to them, um, and hopefully you know it it you know it can be taken and adapted if. If you want, it can be retained in future iterations or not. It's it's a living thing, isn't it? Like these franchises that we love, pop culture that we love. It's a living thing that breathes and changes and, you know, comes back to familiar spaces, goes into unfamiliar territory. Like it does that constantly. And I think you've got to remember, too, we have a show in Kingdom, which is an anomaly. It is a an aberration of the timelines we think we understand and who can say what characters are going to do and how they're going to react when you put them in the same room together, characters who've never been in the same room together. Um, You know, we, we, it kind of blows everything up. So it's, you know, well, let me tell you who can say May Cat and Tim Sheridan. But that's the fun of it. You know, it's like, well, okay, what's this conversation going to be like that's never taken place on screen before because it didn't make sense in terms of the timeline. Um, yeah. A lot of opportunity there. And, and maybe it sort of alters the way characters think and behave and what they do. On a related note, uh, I got, you know, when I was watching these episodes, I found myself really interested in the, you know, the future, the Maximal and Predacon future and and what 
you know what the progression was from Gal, you know, from Megatron being turned into Galvatron, and, and you know, I'm, my, in my head, I was thinking, okay, well, in the you know prime timeline or whatever, you know, the the timeline A, you got two Transformers. The movie Galvatron becomes Megatron becomes Galvatron. Prime dies. Some point later, what? he get <laughs> um, Prime gets resurrected and turned into Nemesis Prime. Some other, you know, somehow, some way, and then. Late, much later on, the Maximals and the Predacons, uh, you know, evolve or are are born on Cybertron. So I, I was curious, just how much of that backstory you guys had worked out in your head or sketched out on the whiteboard? Did you have like a whole, you know, idea of okay, well, the Allspark died on Earth, so then how did the Maximals and Predacons come to be on Cybertron? How did Cybertron get new life if the Allspark never made it back there? And you know, how did how did uh, Unicron? how was Unicron able to corrupt Optimus Prime to become Nemesis Prime? And, you know, all the, all these interesting questions that uh, get asked in the show, but, you know, don't really get answered uh, because they're, they're just interesting backstory, but stuff I was interested in. Yeah. And it is literally all we ever thought about and talked about. It's (laughs) it's like the meat of everything. And it sounds like it could be a great show. (laughs) (laughs) Am I going to tell you? No. (laughs) Did you have a Doc Brown timeline whiteboard moment? You know, we did. <laughs> we, we totally did. Yeah, we had I remember doing that. Sense. I remember getting up and being like, wait, no, this cannon into this. Yes, okay. What's weird is nobody else was in the room when she did that. <laughs> <laughs> we all walked in and there's May with this like complex set of equations. I have figured it out. <laughs> no, but you know, but that really is it's only honest and only makes sense if it makes sense to us. And so we had to kind of figure out what, what is Cybertron, you know, in the future and, and how, how does that influence, you know, why they're here and what they're doing. And we we had a lot of conversations about it. I wish we could have written more about it. You know? Yeah. I mean, like I say, fan fiction, take it away. (laughs) I don't don't want to let fanfic take the wheel. (laughs) (laughs) all right well um i guess one one uh question that that i i think a little a little bit about and maybe maybe as a as a transformers fan i i feel a little of uh um, like a insecurity complex with other uh other media out there because you know transformers other toy based properties they're kind of considered as less than for you know a lot of uh you know a lot of media at least, you know, at least that's my impression. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but you know, I get the f- sense that people feel like these are just commercials to sell toys and nothing more. And I'm curious, like how you guys, when when you guys are developing the stuff, or when when you guys think about uh, creating these things, uh, you know what you know what you think about that. Like, I, like I, I think about the original Transformers, the movie. Uh, you know. Optimus Prime dying came out of a cynical decision to end his toy, you know, stop producing his toy and and ta- and and make room for other toys on the toy shelf. But then we got like like you said, Tim, you you know that that moment really uh, lit a spark for you as a storyteller. So I'm curious what you think of, of this tension between the you know the real world considerations of of selling toys and, and making IP for to support you know merchandising and then making really compelling and interesting storytelling. I mean, I'm a toy collector. 
So <laughs> I don't have, I, I, and I grew up in the eighties and I have literally no issues with shows that make me want to buy toys. So I have no, no problem with that. But in terms of the creative, in terms of the storytelling, um, it doesn't really factor in when we're putting this, when we're, at least for me, May, I don't know about you, but it doesn't really factor into the equation, uh, you know, sort of, you know, how does this work to sell a toy or something like that? I mean, I I don't even remember ever getting a note that said, oh, well, you should have so-and-so transform here or do this move because it's, you know, actually there was one, there was one thing that we knew that the t- one of the toys was going to feature a certain action feature. And it was brought up in the room, but not in a way of like, well, now you have to incorporate this to be able to be so No, it was brought up as a lark. And I was, I said, what a great idea, you know? <laughs> and it, it, it fueled us to be able to sort of give a new dimension, a new, a new piece of the story. There was something I remember we were trying to figure out and, uh, and we were able to figure it out. I think it had to do with Shockwave's cloaking technology, I think. Uh, now yeah, that I, I don't recall this. Um, but it really unlocked some stuff for us, and it made it very easy to sort of, you know, which we ended up bringing into Kingdom, I hope. I haven't seen it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but that's, that, it's, to me, they're the same thing in my mind. They are, I, when I'm creating a Transformer story, I am playing Transformers just like I did in 1985. And I get to have Optimus Prime say this. And I get to have, you know, Alita One say this, who I never got to have when I was a kid, you know? So it's like, it's even better. It's like, it's like 1985 plus for me. (laughs) Um, I think speaking of like this tension you're kind of hitting on. I mean, like, I think there's that tension in pop culture inherently, like I went to uh, Art Center College of Design for film school. So there were a lot of auteurs that I was bumming around getting a degree with. And, um, you know, it was it was a difficult time because I was just like this young 20 something who was like, I just want to write the next Spider-Man movie. And this was kind of, you know, they kind of looked their noses down at me for it. But they're wrong i mean like look at our world (laughs) look at our culture look at our modern myths i mean like yeah i guess someone could criticize the toy company that wants you to make toy commercials to sell their toys but like obviously this thing that has lasted so long deeply means something to people and you can't criticize or you know you can't make that go away you can't say that's not real it obviously is and i guess that i would apply that logic also to fan fiction like sometimes fan fiction gets looked down upon i'm like that's where i learned to write and nothing can take away the time and affection i had as a teenager writing these stories and how much they meant to me and how much they continue to mean to me i mean like i don't I'm not a religious person, but I'll read Grant Morrison's X-Men whenever I'm feeling like a crisis. Like that's my go-to. That's what I go to to seek sort of, um, you know, spiritual completion or spiritual like satisfaction. It's popular culture. And I think there's something actually kind of magical to imagine that like inside this kid's media is perhaps like the secrets to your happiness. It's like, 
how beautiful is that? It's like this kid stuff, but this kid stuff, which holds so much joy and so much meaning, like there's something here and it's special and it can't be taken away regardless of if someone thinks it's silly, like whatever. (laughs) I mean, here's, here's the, here's the secret. It's, um, I mean, well, you know, may you say it's kid stuff. Some people look at it like that. The secret is none of it is. Yeah. None of it's kid stuff. It's we're telling stories. And I think that this is more true of, of new IP than it is of existing IP, but it still can be true in, in existing IP, which is that people don't buy the toys unless the stories are compelling. Yeah. Unless the stories are good. Um, you know, uh, generally speaking. And, um, you know, so it, sometimes those things go hand in hand. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I'm happy they do because uh, all I want to do is write Transformers and He-Man and, you know, and Batman for the rest of my life. Dude, uh, <laughs> I remember like going to Target and seeing the first Cyberverse toys like hitting the shelves. And contrary to popular belief, Hasbro had not sent us any toys at that point. So I was like, I was like, I'm buying these myself, goddammit. And what like a magical experience that was. To like them up to the cash register and be like, here's my money that I got from writing this show. <laughs> <laughs> now May knows May knows this story, but I'm going to share with you my little personal thrill of working on War for Cybertron was when I wrote the uh, uh, first the uh, episodes with um, in Earthrise with the Quintesson Judge uh, Decius and. They, I remember the day they told me they were going to make a Quintesson Judge figure. So I waited. I waited. I was like, could it be, is it possible that they're going to put out this toy and it's going to have the name that I gave this character? <laughs> I am going to have a toy on my shelf with the name that I named him. And then the uh, figure came out and it said Quintesson Judge. <laughs> but, but then... They put out, as I think a Walmart exclusive, the Decius drone figure. Hell yeah! And I, they sent it to me in a in a uh, in a in a promo in a uh, what are they influencer box? Because I guess I'm an influencer. No. <laughs> <laughs> and there was this. I opened it up, and it was like the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. It was like, oh, and like, and it was Decius drone, and it's like, oh, it's on my shelf, and I feel like, oh my god to get to contribute in this way as a toy guy who came to, came to Transformers through the toys originally to get to contribute in that way, to have that name that I gave him up there on the thing. <laughs> Incredible. It's the greatest thing in the world. I wish it appropriate. Awesome. By, by the way, May, um, who do I have to talk to in the Cyberverse universe to get them to stop calling quintessons quintessence that, that I mean, that's that, the only thing i hate about cyber I, I was actually gonna i was actually gonna call out tim for oh you're one of those people eh? <laughs> one of the right one of the correct people yes that was a group decision that was a group decision where we all like saw it written on the board and even like even gavin who's like a huge g1 particularly the animated movie fan um, maybe he was resistant to it, but we looked at it on the board and we're like, it's Quintesson. <laughs> like, that's how, that's what it looks like. It's Quintesson. Come on, you it's Quintesson. You could not be more, I've, we've had this discussion, by the way. <laughs> yeah. You're seeing it play out again in front of us. You could Where's not be more Where's the accent mark that says Quintesson? <laughs> it doesn't need to be there. It's, they say the word on the show. Like, we know <laughs> what it was. There's no debate. 
They say <laughs> this is what's going to get me canceled in Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll remember I mean, all of you. But now hang on. Let me say this. It is a great, big, beautiful multiverse, perhaps. And in some <laughs> corners of it, they might pronounce it quintessence. Sure. Thanks. I figured it was holdover from the Netflix Voltron show where they had the quintessence. <laughs> and that, that was just stuck in people's uh, heads. It was a room decision. Uh, yeah. But, you know, the, the confusion comes too from the planet Quintessa, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember getting a book. There was like a, a, a children's book I had as a kid that was based around something from Transformers the movie. And it, had a, it, was, like the, it was the story of Wheelie. And oh, yeah. <laughs> at the end of the book, Wheelie said the last line of the book, and I'd already seen the movie or I'd seen the show at this point. I knew the planet was called Quintessa. The end of the book, Wheelie's like, Wheelie gone from Quintesson. <laughs> You're like, son of a bitch. <laughs> I said, it's not called Quintesson, the planet. It's called Quintessa. It's called Quintessa, obviously. <laughs> Oh, All right, boy. you and me after this podcast. <laughs> Smiley Look, I mean, we're going to bring our you, quintessent toys, yeah. one from Cyberverse, one from Earthrise, and we're just going to make a fight. I mean, I, I can bring the quote from Transformers the movie. Kranich says, he says, the world of the savage Sharktacons and their cruel masters, the Quintessons. That's, yeah. the, that's the first That's the a first. A lot reference. of things it's happened in the, in the 80s that were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and perhaps the pronunciation of quintessent is one of them. <laughs> Can I, can we take a vote? Is does anybody here actually think May is going to win, or the Cyberverse room, not just May, is going to win this fight? I'm not, but you're no. all wrong. <laughs> you're not going to win this fight. You are provably yeah. wrong. You no. just. Been wrong. I think we have a new question for a rapid fire. I would love to actually I think there's an amazing experiment like Transformers fans, G1 fans you know more modern fans maybe like comic book fans uh, and as a litmus test and then like as the control and then people who know nothing about Transformers like here's this word how would you say it they're gonna say (laughs) (laughs) Quintessa all right I'm I I, Hopefully we'll do better. I'm not, I'm not going to litigate anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we'll do better on rapid fire because that took about ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think we I think we will uh, wrap things up here. Th- thanks, you guys, for spending so much time with us. We really appreciate it. Sure. And. But before we do get into the rapid fire, I do want to ask. So there are a couple of uh, TF cons coming up, and you know, as as conventions hopefully come back around at the end of this year and beginning of next year, they they've already announced uh, TF Con Baltimore, uh, TF Con Toronto in December, and then TF Con LA in March. So uh, any plans for any of those uh, those conventions? I mean, LA would probably be a no brainer for you guys, maybe. <laughs> Which is perfect for us because that's about what we'll bring to the table. We should, do like, we should do an open mic, like just you and me on a stage being like, Quintessent! This <laughs> like a mock trial. That's it. Uh, <laughs> a mock trial. Yeah. Guilty or innocent. Honestly, no plans. No plans yet. If anybody wants to reach out to me, my DMs are open, homie. I would love to. I love the TFCon. Yeah, yeah. It's, by the way, same here. And I, you know, vaxxed and ready to mingle over here. Um, <laughs> but, but has anybody ever done a Quintesson Quintesson pit 
mock trial at a at a TFCon? That's the greatest idea. Greatest idea I've ever heard. What a pitch, Tim! It could I, be us. I know. We, and could I be started... the, we could be one of the two heads, dude. We just need three more people. <laughs> Talk about giving away your good ideas. (laughs) (laughs) We've worn them down. Please, seriously though, I mean, we could do this all day. Bring us out there. Let us talk. (laughs) (laughs) Give me a microphone. (laughs) Give me a microphone and try to pry it away from my cold, dead hands. (laughs) A microphone and some bourbon, and I'll tell you about Starscream. All right. Well, should should we jump right into the rapid fire questions? Let's so, do it. Uh, Tim, these do you are. Do you want to do a thing where you answer, then I answer real quick. What do you guys think? Yeah, that that yeah. sounds great. Let's yeah, th- these are supposed to be these are supposed to be quick. You know, first thing comes in your mind, so you don't you don't spend a lot of time. Just s- savor the first thing that comes to your mind. All right. Here we go. All right. Ready? Here we go. Anything that comes to my mind. Anything. <laughs> 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 Related to the. If it's, if it's an answer to the question. <laughs> here we go. All right. Here we go. Rapid fire. Autobot or Decepticon? Decepticon. Decepticon. And who is your favorite Decepticon? <laughs> I've answered. <laughs> Starscream, for the record. <laughs> for the record. Yeah. For the record, Starscream. These are all going to be wrong for me. I'm just going to guess. I'm, the first one that I'm taking that is great. Uh, favorite Transformers live action movie? One, two, three, four, five, or Bumblebee? Uh, dark, Dark of the Moon. All right, Bumblebee. three. That's three. Bumblebee. Okay. Oh, wait, are we talking about uh, what we're doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, comics. More than meets the eye slash Lost Light, Robots in Disguise slash Optimus Prime, Till All Are One, or the latest Transformers 2019 reboot? Uh, more than meets the eye, Lost Light, quickly followed by Marigrid's books, of course. Awesome. Oh, yeah, definitely Marigrid's. Um, uh, but was OG Marvel not on the, the list? Uh, uh, you can say that. It's, it, it was not on the list. We were yeah. trying to keep modern comics. OG but, yeah, Marvel. OG, G1? My first one yeah. was the, I forget what number it is. It's uh, Into the Smelting Pool. Uh, ah. Love that cover. Uh, 17, I think. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. that's the one. That's our, our favorite. 17, comedy. it was. It was 17. That's right. We homaged yeah. it in a, a commission to cover. And um and 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 oh 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 the name of the character is Scrounge. Scrounge. Scr- Scr- was it Scrounge? Yeah. Blaster's friend. Yeah. Yes. I don't remember. Blast, Blaster, really Blaster's p- dear departed friend. Yeah. But they released this figure into a wheel. All right. <laughs> was that it? All right. Uh, There's more. <laughs> There's more. <laughs> Third party toys. Yes or no. Yes. Yes. Cats or dogs? Cats. Cats. Coffee or tea? Tea. Coffee. Chicken or steak? Steak. Steak. Pepsi or Coke? Coke. Coke. <laughs> Burger King or McDonald's or something McDonald's. else? Well, it's something else. In and out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, you know what? Dick's in Seattle. Dick's Burgers in Seattle. I'm still right. going in and out. <laughs> it's very specific. <laughs> History or science? History. Science. Xbox, PlayStation, or Nintendo Switch? Whatever I can play uh, Bioshock on. 
Atari 2600. <laughs> <laughs> I still have mine up in my attic. <laughs> uh, PC or Mac? Mac. Mac. iPhone or Android? iPhone. <laughs> and is there a phone app that you can't live without? Right now, Carb Manager. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Yeah, I could do without all this. You know, I joined TikTok, and that's been fun. Oh, okay. Yeah. Animal TikTok. Marvel. I was saying Animal TikTok is the best TikTok. <laughs> Marvel or DC? Marvel. DC. DC. <laughs> the fine publishers of Teen Titans Academy available monthly and Shazam. Issue one now available. May, favorite Marvel character? Um, Spider Man, closely followed by Wolverine, Laura Kinney. Tim, favorite DC character? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me favorite Marvel character, and I was going <laughs> to do that too. Favorite DC character? I mean, Batman. Although, wait. No, hang on. Favorite DC character? Stitch. Created by someone on this podcast. I wonder who. Was it me? Uh, Did I do it? It was not you, Daryl. I don't know who it was, but it was not you. Stitch, by the way, who, who is who is in many ways based on Maycat. Aw, Tim. <laughs> Never told May before, but there's a lot about Stitch that comes from May. Anyway. Now I have to read it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mace, we, we appreciate your support. It's on yeah. my pull list. <laughs> Pixar or DreamWorks? Pixar. Pixar. Stallone or Schwarzenegger? Ooh. <laughs> the predator. <laughs> uh, I'm yeah. No, I, I I'm gonna have to say Stallone. No. All right. Is there a guilty pleasure movie that you'll watch whenever it's on? Like if it just happens to come by your you know, in your queue or on cable or whatever. No. Wait. It's so hard to ask us that question because what other other people might consider Transformers the movie a guilty pleasure. <laughs> it drives me crazy. I'm like, what do you mean? That's not guilty. Um, I mean, the the question was originally based on like if you're flipping through the channels and like 27 dresses is on and you're like, I'm watching this. That's my answer. 27 dresses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. it's I don't know if it counts as a guilty pleasure. My go-to. Oh, you know what? Guilty pleasure, Dragonheart. Absolutely. Sean uh-huh. Connery's okay. Dragonheart. All right. There you go. Nice. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Trek. Oh, what? Did you answer that? Star Trek. No, I'm pleading the fifth. (laughs) (laughs) On the grounds that I may be incriminated. (laughs) Simpsons, Family Guy, or Rick and Morty? Simpsons. Plead the fifth. (laughs) Probably Simpsons. (laughs) Uh, we should probably cut this question. Walking Dead or Game of Thrones? <laughs> eh. <laughs> oh, no. uh, I mean, neither. most of Game of Thrones uh, and, uh, and, and the incredible, uh, you know, Lena Headey as Cersei. 
also as Eva Lynn in Masters of the Universe Revelation. Now, Sam, <laughs> yeah. you're so good. William Cunningham as Man at Arms, Sir Davos. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, that's mm-hmm. cool. Breaking Bad. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. Okay, sports, NFL, MLB, NHL, UFC, NBA, or Premier League? NCAA football. Uh, 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 basketball. <laughs> NBA? You going with NBA? Yeah. <laughs> the sports. We should add Olympics to that right yeah. now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ACC, by the way, for me, too. Just so I... <laughs> In case anybody's keeping school. Porsche, Ferrari, Lamborghini, or Volkswagen Beetle? Volkswagen Beetle. I'll take the Ferrari <laughs> in black, please. <laughs> we, we are not giving you those as being on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and our last question, blonde, brunette, or redhead? Well, you're going to have to buy me dinner to find out. Yeah. <laughs> I refuse to answer. <laughs> brunette brunette if you meet my husband you'll know brunette <laughs> formerly blonde though he was blonde at one point that question usually ends up what is the hair color of my spouse at this time because <laughs> we're not stupid no the hair color we're... changes right that's or, or you change by oh got it <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly a dark place this is exactly the kind of podcast that Brian is going to watch. So, hi. Your hair looks great. It's also the, the question, like, did you actually watch it or not? You know, there was a question that should have triggered you. <laughs> All right. Well, that, you congratulations. You have successfully uh, cleared the gauntlet, the rapid fire questions gauntlet. Congratulations. We did it. We did it. We did it together. Like the Autobots and the Maxwell. And it was a pretty good baton race there, just like the writing of Transformers, War for Cybertron (laughs) Kingdom, streaming now on Netflix. (laughs) And uh, as as part of your your parting gift for making it through the rapid-fire questions, you are given an open invitation to co-host on transmissions at any point in the future. So. Well, fabulous. Uh, yeah. that, that's very nice. Thank you. Well, you can <laughs> you can negotiate that through my uh, rep. <laughs> Is that Unicron? Is Unicron your rep? It's true. <laughs> I wish. Oh, I get every... You could you, like, put the phone into like the maw. <laughs> Most of the time I'm negotiating a contract and I'm like, yeah, I want this. And they're like, proceed your way. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see you like look at Unicron and just be like, "Oh, Unicron, we're really in it now." <laughs> what are we going to do that Unicron buddy cop uh, movie that we wanted to make? <laughs> Wait, who's the other buddy? You Bumblebee. <laughs> what? Unicron and Bumblebee. Uh, it just works, and Unicron would constantly be just like, "I'm getting too old for this shit." <laughs> I was one day away from retirement. I get saddled with this kid. <laughs> doing donuts on the surface of my face. <laughs> this time we're doing it by the book. 
Yeah, and Bumblebee only uses radio voice, not because he has to. He just likes it better that way. <laughs> well, it pisses off Unicron. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, what are you trying to say? Just say it. <laughs> Why are we telling them I, this? I, this is gold. I, I, <laughs> We're you getting the War for Cybertron sequel series here. One's a planet, the other's a beast. Unicron and Bumblebee. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for joining us. This has been a blast and a half. We really appreciate you guys coming on. And, and yeah, this spending... Close to two hours with us? <laughs> That's awesome. We love talking. Oh. It's a problem. <laughs> Speaking of uh, and, Brian, if you're watching, I know I haven't made dinner yet, but <laughs> you it's happening. It's happening very soon. <laughs> so uh, everyone check out War for Cybertron Kingdom. Uh, you should have already watched it before you watched it or watched or listened to this podcast. Um, but we're watch sorry we spoiled Hopefully you're watching this on the first weekend because let me tell you what Netflix likes to see our viewers on that first weekend. Multiple viewings would be great too if you really liked it. Put it on. Watch it again. Look yeah. at me. Tap dancing for Netflix over here. But yeah. I'm just, like it's it's Why don't you I'm watch like, this podcast while it's on in the background? Like, come on. <laughs> if you want more content like this though, you have to you have to watch it and you have to watch it on the weekend it comes out. You just have to. That's the economy of this thing. So please watch it again. Absolutely. Yeah. Are you sure you didn't minor in like marketing? I've been through this so many times. This is the summer of Tim. Like all of like all of the projects that you were writing when we first met are coming into fruition. You're Literally. so practiced at this, right? Everything now. I have ever worked on is being released within a two week period in June and the beginning of July. Or end of July. End of June. And it's absurd. And no one will know who I am next year. I will come begging to be on your show and you won't be like, who is this yeah wait one question how do you pronounce quintesson yeah <laughs> it really should be the code word for entry yeah. <laughs> pronounce that was a trick it's quintesson yeah. <laughs> well uh, uh, you know, do you want to anything? I know you you mentioned a couple of projects you're working on, but you can't really talk about. But is there any you if you want to give your social media any you know anything you want to promote? Uh, it now is the time to plug uh, whatever you'd like to. In addition to War for Cybertron Kingdom, man, you want to do it? You want me to do? It? I'm going to plug myself. I'm going to say follow me on Twitter at I am Tim Sheridan. Pick up a copy of Batman: The Long Halloween Part One and Part Two. Pick up Teen Titans Academy, Shazam, every month from DC Comics. And uh, check out uh, Masters of the Universe Revelation also on Netflix. And get ready for a project coming out soon in which you might see May Cats and my name somewhere involved. Somewhere in there. Well, God, I should have gone first because that was an impressive list. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I would say, yes, if you like listening to this nonsense, you can follow me. I'm at Maycat on Instagram and Twitter and Tumblr. And it's, it's, a, it's a unique name. I'm also on TikTok. Um, and I would say, like, hey, thanks for watching. Thank you for supporting yeah. Kingdom. It might, like, look, these shows might not be everyone's cup of tea, but the support to get more content like this is invaluable. So thank you. I hope to see you on the next Transformers venture and the next thing and the next thing. And also like, I think what's very important, if you, if you want 
a specific kind of representation, like be loud and proud of that. And, you know, I think to see the real world examples of of all the wide breadth of people existing in the real world helps, helps us also. And I think it can be a beautiful Ouroboros of a situation. So please be vocal, be out, be loud, be proud. I love it. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been a very special Transmissions Alt Mode. Uh, thanks again to our guests, Tim Sheridan and May Cat, for joining us for this very long deep dive into War for Cybertron Kingdom. We really appreciate it. Uh, and uh, for more great content like this, you can check out our website, transmissionspodcast.com. We do two shows every week about Transformers. Uh, one show all about Transformers toys and merchandise. That's Transmissions. And then Transmissions Alt Modes, all about Transformers comics and media. Uh, you know, and we spend a lot of time on media this episode here. So. I, th- I think this week we have like 20 shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I should mention we have, we did our non-spoiler review of War for Cybertron Kingdom. That was last week. Now we have our spoiler-filled review of Kingdom coming out very soon, if it's not already out. And we did an interview with showrunners F.J. DeSanto and Matt Murray as well. So, yeah, lots of Kingdom uh, stuff going on. So, uh, Thanks, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> really? Thank you. So all that should be out uh, by the time you're watching this, uh, of course, on YouTube and in our podcast feed. And you can find us on all the, you know, podcast readers, apps, wherever, Amazon, Apple, Spotify, uh, you know, Google Play, all or Google Podcasts, you know, all the, all the good stuff. So thanks again for watching and listening, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Later. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Transmissions. But just because this episode is over doesn't mean the Transformers fun has to stop. Join us and other Transformers fans on our Discord chat server by visiting transmissionspodcast.com slash Discord. If you would like to learn more about how you could support the Transmissions Podcast, just visit transmissionspodcast.com slash support. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you again next week.